All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Rigos Rag Podcast. Ian Cummings here with Jacob Kamaker and Nathan Britton, the usual hosts. Uh, we, we had a schedule in the offseason. We were kind of going every Monday, but uh, now it's the season and everything's going crazy and no one knows what's going on. So we're just going to get together and talk about all the stuff that's going on. It's been a very crazy week for Washington. Uh, they've been, uh, well, first off, there was the loss to the Colts, and that wasn't fun. And then uh, there was the aftermath of that, all the panic that ensued. And uh, then yesterday, the team themselves didn't help matters. They signed uh, Brashad Perryman and Michael Floyd, two uh, washed-up wide receivers. So uh, you can imagine there's a lot to talk about right now. And so uh, we, we had to get together and uh, kind of convene and get our thoughts on this. So uh nathan jacob the usual crew it's good to be back uh after week two redskins are one and one uh nathan i'll start with you i bet you're itching to talk about this uh what what's what's just your take because it's really hard to find a place to start with all this i mean there's just a lot of crap going on right now yeah it didn't look good on on sunday they the old uh Defensive woes kind of reared their head with not being able. I mean, the Colts don't really have an established running back, um, and they used three of them, all three pretty inexperienced, and they kind of did whatever they wanted to do. T.Y. Hilton gave uh, Josh Norman and, and Quentin Dunbar fits. Uh, our old buddy Ryan Grant put Dunbar on his back during a run block. Andrew Luck was able to do whatever he wanted. So the defense it, it, you watch it and it kind of looks like maybe that front seven isn't as good as we thought it was going to be i mean they have no pass rush whatsoever i i, I watched uh rewatched a little bit of it today and uh preston smith for a guy who everyone's talking about might be gone next year because he's going to price himself out and he's got a breakout year he was pretty ineffective i mean there were some plays where demon looked like he was trying he kind of just get engaged with uh, the left or right tackle and just kind of stand his ground that's pretty much it didn't really get any push either way and just didn't look like he cared uh ryan kerrigan's invisible which is concerning and then when you flip to the other side of the ball alex smith uh it wasn't bad i guess but what you saw from him on sunday and that offense on sunday i think is what you're gonna get a lot of a lot of the quick dump off passes um you can go to the nfl next gen stats and see all of his uh charted throws and he had 33 completions. Four of them were from 10 yards or greater. Uh, all, all the rest were from nine yards and shorter, and that's all, all of it is dump off to Chris Thompson or Adrian Peterson or uh, Paul Richardson, great Jameson Crowder, Jordan Reed, running those short to intermediate routes. And so that's what you're going to get a lot of. And when your running game can't really get going like they struggle to do, you're going to get a lot of like what we saw is a lot of three and outs or, you know, pressures on Alex Smith where he has to dump it off or it's going to be incompleted. The outside wide receivers don't really have any, haven't had it really any impact. And I really worry about Chris Thompson's health at this point, because I do think that with the way Alex Smith dumps the ball down like that and the amount of touches you're going to get per game and the linebackers hitting him, I don't think he's going to be able to hold up. Yeah, definitely a lot of cause for concern. You know, it's only week two, so there's a lot of season left to play. I mean, we, we I think we saw the best possible Washington team in week one, and we saw the worst possible in week two, uh, or at least, you know, from our off-season speculation. So I think it will, what really is this team, I, I got to think it's somewhere in the middle. But, you know, we saw a lot of stuff that looks like it could stick around in week two. For example, you know, you said it, Alex Smith. 
a lot of people have been saying, you know, Josh Doxson, he needs to break out this year. Paul Richardson needs to validate why we paid him $8 million a year. Neither of them can do either of those things if Smith isn't giving them chances deep. And we knew Smith was going to love Thompson and Reed. But right now, it looks like he's not really looking anywhere else. And he, on Sunday, he didn't have a chance to. The offensive line didn't fare very well against a pretty, you know, a Colts defensive line that has room for improvement and has room for polish. So it was definitely concerning to see a lot of uh, stuff to to work on. Uh, Jacob, was there anything that caught your eye in particular uh, from this weekend that you think needs to be built on? Well, you guys both hit it on the head. It it has to do with the uh, you know with the offensive line and with Alex Smith. I mean, the offensive line has no reason to play as poorly as they did against the Colts. Um, frankly, they just didn't look very good. They didn't block very well against what is really a mediocre Colts defensive line. And the, Smith was under pressure for a lot of the game. Adrian Peterson had no running room. And the offensive line at Bill Callahan, they really need to step up going forward because if they can't generate any push, that offense isn't going to be able to do much. And uh, regarding Alex Smith, like you said, Ian, we saw the best possible performance in week one for the team and the worst possible performance in week two. And I think that has a lot to do with the two faces of Alex Smith as a quarterback because you'll get games from Smith where he looks like a really good passer. He can get the ball exactly where he needs to go. He has downfield ability. And he'll put the ball, his ball placement will be close to elite. And then you'll get games where he's just a little bit off. Not much, but just enough to make that difference. Just enough to make him inaccurate downfield. Make him not confident in himself and have to settle out for dump-offs. And I know that he was under pressure a lot and the offensive line didn't help him out. But the fact of the matter is, if you're, if you're unable to get the ball to anyone besides Chris Thompson for most of the game, you're going to have trouble. And, yeah, the, the receivers do deserve a lot of blame as well. Josh Doxson has not played well at all. He had another drop on Sunday. And, you know, Paul Richardson has had moments, but nothing big yet. So I think those guys are going to have to step up if they want this offense to do anything. But I think a lot of it just has to do with it's going to depend on how the offensive line plays week in and week out and what we're going to get from Alex Smith. Is he going to be the elite passer we saw at times last year? Or is he going to be more of the game manager that he has the reputation of being? So I think those two things are the big things to watch, especially on offense. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because after week one, we were saying, you know, this is a well-oiled machine. This is a offense, you know, they can keep going with this strategy, you know, uh, having a strong running game with Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson. And, you know, Alex Smith, he, he thrives off of that. We, too, we saw that, we need to temper our expectations a lot uh, because Peterson was ineffective. The blocking scheme didn't help with that at all. Uh, and Thompson was ineffective. You know, they need to have consistency because we can't come into every week and be like, which team are we going to get? You know, you need to know what you have and what your commodities mm-hmm. are. And right now it's very much up in the air and the, it doesn't look any better when you take a look at the Cardinals. They got shut out 34, nothing granted against a very good Rams defense, but it goes to show they're probably not going to compete for anything this year. So that first week, you kind of take that with a grain of salt. Uh, the Colts, meanwhile, are a team that also has their own growing pains and the Redskins didn't fare very well against them. So it's like, what, who is this team? And, you know, it's early. I think Jay Gruden has an opportunity to adjust. This will be big for Gruden. 
And I've been a Gruden guy for a while. I think he get, he doesn't get a fair shake. But uh, ultimately, you know, what's past is past. This is the year that he needs to prove himself. And right now, he's in a hole. He's got to get himself back out. And he's got 14 games to do it. I don't see them cutting him loose early. You know, you, you, you're going to want to give him a chance with the roster he has and the guys he has. And last week, it wasn't good. Uh, but they can change that. But he's got to make adjustments. He's got to he's got to push Alex Smith to change with the game. And you know, ultimately they got to show flexibility because this is a game. It's always changing. People are looking for different things. You got to be able to adapt, and he's not showing that right now. I don't know. That's that's my take. Yeah, I agree. It's I mean, we kind of knew what we were getting with Alex Smith. We knew he wasn't going to be the guy who's going to go out and throw for five thousand yards, and you know. 27 plus touchdowns but I mean at the you know with the way it's looking I mean he's going to be a guy that you know you're going to bring him you brought him in as a 34 quarterback paid him whatever uh it would have cost to have kept Kirk Cousins at least early on the whole is he going to stay is he not going to stay fiasco and you're going to get you know you hear this that he's an upgrade or you know, a lot of people say he's an upgrade over Kirk Cousins because he doesn't have the turnovers. The production's there, but the turnovers are lower. But it turns out that he's going to really. I mean, you're going to be. It's like standing at quicksand. You know what I mean? Like you're you're going to be stuck there. You just he's going to throw for probably right around four thousand yards. Maybe he hits twenty three or twenty four touchdowns. I would take the under on that, and you're going to have another year. of I think you're going to be seven, nine, eight, and eight, which is okay if that's you know if you acknowledge that. But this is a team that has you know sent the message that they want to win now, and for this to be the product they put on the field, I don't see how that's going to happen. And I think that this whole Alex Smith, Jay Gruden marriage might not go over as smoothly as everyone thinks it's going to. Yeah, and building off of that, I, I don't necessarily think it's the Alex Smith Jay Gruden combo. I think. Alex Smith is what he is at this point in his career, and he had his best season last year with the Chiefs, and the, there's no denying that, but the Chiefs had probably better offensive weapons than the Redskins. I know the Redskins have some similar players, and, you know, Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson are the types of guys that Alex Smith loves, but we don't have a downfield threat. The Paul Richardson did not compare to Tyree Hill, and Josh Doxson really hasn't looked like anything this year, so... Um, unless those guys step up, Smith's going to be more of the average guy we've seen throughout his career. And that's not a bad thing. I think in regards to Jake Rudin, there are a couple of major concerns with him among the fan base. One is that his play calling can sometimes be predictable, and that's evidenced by the amount of times he runs on first down, which, granted, he's trying to stay out of the chains, but you know, if you get too predictable, your offense is easy to figure out. I think we saw a little bit of that in Week 2. Because, uh, you know, week one, we didn't exactly know that they were going to try a run-heavy, ball-dominant, time-of-possession type offense. Week two, we expected them to do that, and the Colts were able to prepare and do that. So I think Gruden needs to be able to get better at just adjusting on the fly and, you know, kind of understanding what aspects of his offense are going to work in certain matchups. And then the other thing, this has been a concern of mine in, in all of the Redskins football I've watched under Jay Gruden, is sometimes they just come out with no energy. And, like, this game in Week 2 felt like one that should matter and felt like one that they should be excited about the possibility of going 2-0. And, and yeah. as per usual, in the big games, they didn't show up with any energy. They were completely lackadaisical. 
and there was just no sense of urgency. They fell behind in the beginning and never found that spark. So I think that motivational factor is the key when evaluating Gruden. And if they put up some more duds in this vein this season, it's it's going to get to a point where it's going to be a little bit difficult to be like, why don't they show up in big games? And that could be a problem for Gruden. Obviously, it's way too early in the season to say he's on the hot seat or he's going to be fired or anything. But, but these types of performances are stuff that like owners and management will keep an eye on because it was just a complete dud from the team. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think it's necessarily, you know, how Gruden prepares his guys in the locker room. You know, I think a lot of it happens on the field and it has to do with his play calling. Uh, you look at, you know, football is a game of momentum. Teams gain momentum with, you know, big plays and, you know, long, good drives and stuff. Like the Redskins, they gained momentum in week one against the Cardinals when they just kept churning the chains and everything. That's one way to do it. But if you're the Colts, you, you get a good drive, you get a big stop. If you're Washington, you got to keep up with that. And if something isn't working, you got to change on the fly and you got to make sure that you're, you know, uh, making progress and stuff. And if you're just staying stagnant, it's not going to do well with your team. You're going to get emotionally, you're going to get sluggish. You're going to get lethargic. You're just going to, you know, what are we doing here? And I think, you know, the, that game planning, they got to start playing to win. They got to start getting more aggressive. I think, I think that'll get the team into it, but yeah, definitely against the Colts. They looked, they, they came out flat and DJ Swanger went and set it after the game. There was complacency there. And I think, you know, it's it's that's got to change, because if it happens all the time, there's only one common denominator. And you know, these guys are grown men; they should know what the stakes are. But at the same time, you know, you got to keep them accountable. So it goes both ways. And yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said. It's 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 go time for Gruden, and right now he's going nowhere. But it's only week two. A lot of people are saying, "Hey, fire him now, fire the lump, or whatever." But that's not, nah, that's just not right. You got to give him time to, you know, attune for his mistakes and, you know, get the ball rolling again. And next week against the Packers, they got a tough test. But are they up for the challenge? That's the whole thing. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Nathan, you got any closing thoughts on Gruden? Uh, no, I don't really have any closing thoughts on Gruden. But I do want to mention, Jacob, like you said, in, in terms of they should have been excited to go to this 2 0. I mean, for lack of a better term, Week three against Green Bay kind of becomes a must win, and I don't mean must win as in um, must win as in like you, your season's over if you don't if you lose, but it becomes must win is you have that game where you try to get back up because if you go you know one and two into the bye, you come out facing uh, the New Orleans Saints at Drew Brees. It's not never an easy win to go, especially go down to New Orleans to do it, and then you come back and you face Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers in week six and for you know that's not a terrible team and, and Cam Newton's going to be difficult to stop Christian McCaffrey you know that defense is pretty good so I mean if you can't win against Green Bay and you go there's a good chance you go what one and two three four one and four before you hit week seven against Dallas and then for as bad as you know Dallas may be it's a division game and those games aren't ever you know cakewalks it's always played hard they're always played competitively so you really got to try to salvage something here against Green Bay going into the bye week just to not say your season's over, but to really kind of prevent your season from starting to get to that teetering point already. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see that. It's definitely an important game. 
So, you know, you got to replay momentum. And they ha- they do have the bye week right after. So that's an opportunity to kind of wipe the slate clean and get things going. But starting one and two, you don't want to do that because then you're playing from behind like you do every year. So they got to change something up. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, definitely a lot of work for the team to do in the coming week. And Aaron Rodgers is a tough opponent that the team plays historically well against. I mean, in the regular season, because a few years ago, their cousins went and demolished them. But, you know, that has no that has no bearing on this year. This is a new year. Packers defense is solid. Rodgers is playing very well. Something's got to be done. A spark, maybe. But we'll see what happens. Uh, let's go to another thing. Uh, the team signed a, a very interesting turn of events uh, last yesterday. Uh, the team signed Brashad Perryman and Michael Floyd. For those of you who don't know, Brashad Perryman was a first-round pick for the Ravens a few years ago. He's done absolutely nothing since entering the league. Uh, I think his best season was his rookie year. He had 33 catches. Since then, he's had drops and injuries and more drops. So uh, he's not very good. And then Michael Floyd, his lat, he isn't a 1,000-yard receiver. That's if you want to spin it positively. But uh, the fact of the matter is his only 1,000-yard season came in 2013. Since then, he has averaged 500 yards a season. And last year, he had 10 catches for 78 yards. So uh, I'd say he's a declining commodity in terms of value. So uh, what, do you, what do you guys – Jacob, I'll start with you because I started with Nathan earlier. Uh, what are your thoughts on these signings? Because I was baffled personally when I heard about them. Well, first of all, the Redskins have three first-round picks in their receiving core, which is hey. pretty awesome, right? That's great. <laughs> yeah, Especially since they're Josh Doxson, Rashad Perryman, and Michael Floyd, who was actually, I believe, the 13th overall pick by the Cardinals when he came out. Ugh. Um, yeah, in, in all seriousness, Michael Floyd looked like a potential number two receiver across from Larry Fitzgerald in his first few years in the desert in Arizona. And then he had some, like, personal issues and legal issues. I believe he had a DUI. Yeah. And since that time, he's just kind of fallen out of the league and just just things haven't worked out for him. And, you know, he was unemployed until now. Now he's on the skins. Perryman last season caught 28.6 of the balls thrown at him. That is terrible. That is absolutely awful. There's nothing good about that. And neither guy is really a special teams threat. So that doesn't help them either. Generally speaking, you're adding guys that once had upside or maybe still have a little untapped potential. So it's not a terrible move, but it's pretty uninspiring. And, you know, when there are guys like Josh Gordon available for a potential compensatory fifth, or not compensatory, uh, conditional fifth-round pick, you know, maybe go after that type of guy. But, I, I mean, I'm not a huge group uh Gordon fan because I think he could be a locker room issue, so yeah. I understand why they wouldn't want to bring him in. Yeah, but you know, to to bow out of that chase to add Brashad Perriman and Michael Floyd to your roster, that's pretty uninspiring. So, generally speaking, I don't think either of these guys is going to help out, barring something insane happening or barring them being completely changed since we last saw them in the league. Uh, so, I think they're going to be pretty inconsequential. Uh, so I'm not too excited about it. Yeah, and you brought up Josh Gordon. He was available too. I mean, a lot of people were like, hey, you know, why are we signing these guys? We should we should go for Josh Gordon, right? He's so much better. That there's He's mired in uncertainty as well. 
You know, he's had issues. The Browns, the whole reason the Browns got rid of him is because they couldn't trust him to stay on the field. So now the Patriots are taking a gamble on him. People are thinking, oh, he'll be so much better. Uh, it's it's not that simple. And, you know, Des Bryant is kind of the same deal. You know, everyone's like, let's sign Des Bryant. First of all, you know, it's very likely that he doesn't have a lot of tread left past his prime. And, you know, he's a locker room issue too. So you got to keep that chemistry there. All these signings have, or those two signings in particular would have risks involved. You bring in Brashad Perryman. You know, he's got a good size speed combo, but very raw in the drops and the injuries. It's really hard to expect him to do anything here. So it's it's just there's not a lot to there's not a lot to take value from in the current wide receiver market. And you know, you look at uh you look at um their receiving core, they kinda made the bed. You know, you gotta sit in it now. You know, they they went into the season with Doxon and Richardson and Crowder and they're like, This is they're like, This is who we're gonna roll with. And it's very much looking like it's not going to work out. Nathan, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree with uh, both both you guys. I really don't think there's anything here. It's you got to fill out a roster. You lose two of your younger guys to IR. Maurice Harris, who was uh, everybody's favorite to really be the number two guy, like Richardson, be kind of a package type deal, and Mo Harris really to be out there. I mean, he's nowhere. He got a concussion in the preseason and still isn't playing. Apparently he's going to play this weekend, but we'll see at this point. So I think that you just, you know, you need bodies there. You need potential there. And, like, you look at Rashad Perriman, you mentioned the size speed. I mean, while you don't rely on him to go out there and get you six, seven, eight catches a game and, and really take over a game with that speed, if he's only getting one, but that one is a deep catch that puts you into field goal range and, and allows you to take a lead or, you know, whatever, I mean, there's that. And then Michael Floyd, I mean, you know, maybe there's a little bit left in him, you know, possession wise. It's kind of a guy that you could just be sure handed. I mean, I really think they miss what Pierre Garcon brought to the table in terms of you throw them ball and unless it's uncatchable, he's coming down with it and holding on to it. I think they're still searching for that. I mean, they have Josh Doxon, but what creeps into your head from at least this past week is that one where he ran that crossing route in his deep downfield and had it right in his hands and couldn't pull it in right on the sideline there. I mean, that's a as a first-round wide receiver, as a guy who's supposed to be the number one receiver on a team, that's a catch you have to make. And I think that maybe they're kind of getting towards, you know, wit's end with him a little bit. Maybe there's like, you know, he, he's just not what we need. He's not doesn't have it, and uh, they're, they're looking for anything. So I don't think there's anything there in terms of the production coming from these guys that are, they brought in. But I think, you know, you didn't have to spend a draft pick on him like you would have in the case of, uh, Josh Gordon, especially the Patriots got a fifth round, got him for a fifth round. So you would have had to beat that, whether the fifth rounder you have because your worst team is higher if you have to go to the fourth round. So, I mean, I, that that's what I think. I just think it's you got to bring guys in. You need to fill out a roster, and those are two guys who were available and cheap. Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. You know, there's not a lot of options at this point. So, and you know, the options are. You know, the choice A and choice B, there's not going to be much of a difference if they're both, you know, free agents at this point of the season. So it's kind of just take your pick and see what happens. So I agree with that. They're just kind of filling spots. The special teams aspect, Jacob, you brought that up. I mean, uh, you can't really expect either guy to do that. They, they haven't been asked to. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I, you know, I've, I've been feeling kind of on the fence about these signings for another reason. It's like these are – 
a lot of these guys are jump ball guys mainly. You know, they use their height and their range to win those 50-50 battles. It's like, how are you going to get those chances with Alex Smith as your quarterback? Because we've seen in the first two games, he has taken virtually no shots down the field. And, you know, that's that's fine. If you can if you can make the offense work another way, then by all means do it. You know, it's more efficient uh, and, you know, less risk involved. But if you need to spread the ball, spread the field, uh, they needed to spread the field late in the game against the Colts if they were going to mount a comeback. And, you know, they, they weren't able to do that. Uh, and so I, I feel like if someone was able to get separation down the field, he'd be more likely to take that chance. That was why Tyreek Hill and Alex Smith worked so well. And that's why Tyreek Hill is doing he, – he's still doing great things with Patrick Mahomes and, you know, Deshaun Jackson in Tampa with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, Fitzmagic, he gains separation. Quarterbacks just like to throw to those guys more. So Doxon's not the kind of guy who wins on separation. So that's – and neither neither are guys like Perryman and, and Floyd. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, Perryman's got the speed, but his route running is very raw. It's going to – it's going to take time and development. It's something that he hasn't done in three years, so it's hard to expect him to do it now. I, it's it's hard to get optimistic about this offense, guys. I don't know. I I can't get optimistic about it because I, I, I've got a silver lining for you. What's the silver lining? <laughs> well, it's it. You guys are going to laugh at this probably because you know what it is. Uh, but now that they have seven receivers on the roster, they had to make a roster move to open up a space to have all of them. Yes. Move was unfortunate. I feel bad about this. Rob Kelly was put on injured oh, reserve. I know what this um, is. So, yeah, you know what it is. <laughs> you know what I, what train I've been on all season. Yeah, so uh, Rob, Rob Kelly's on injured reserve. I feel really bad for him because he's had injuries last year and now has another injury and he's out for at least half the season if they give him the DFR tag. Which um, I hope they don't do. I don't, they might do it, though, because who else would it possibly be? Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do yet there, but Anyway, the silver lining, Samaje Pirine is going to be active on game day. Pirine looked really good in the preseason. I know he had some fumbles in the preseason, and people like to talk about his ball security, but he only fumbled every 99.5 touches last year, which is good for about 30th among 200 qualifying players per my numbers. So it's not quite as bad as we think. So maybe if he, he can hold on to the ball – he could enter the game, become like part of that committee with Peterson and Thompson, because I really think they need to try to not limit Peterson's touches, but make sure that he's splitting carries a little bit more to keep him fresh, because otherwise they're going to just, he's going to run out of gas too early. P. Ryan showed good burst, great vision in the preseason, so I think he's ready to make an impact on this team, so we're going to get a chance to see him get some carries. And, you know, if I'm wrong, if he if he starts fumbling, I'll eat my crow and everything. But I really think him getting a chance is good news for this offense. Yeah, I I kind of I kind of agree. I mean, he's younger than Kelly. I mean, I, you know, I don't I don't see it being a super high upside move because, again, they're going to mm-hmm. give most of the snaps to Peterson and Thompson. But, you know, having having Ryan as a guy in there who can kind of who can kind of, uh, you know, pick up the slack and be a uh, fresh pair of boots, you know, it's a good thing. And, you know, uh, he was quick in preseason. Like you said, he was doing good. The fumbling, the ball security is kind of overblown. So it it could be a good thing. You know, he produced well when given the opportunity last year. So I guess we'll just see what happens. I mean, 
man, talking about all this though, I really wish Darius Geis had not gotten injured in the first game. That was a heartbreaker. Like, imagine if this offense had Geis. Like, yeah. just imagine if they had Geis right now. Because, you know, he's a guy who can do it all. You know, the defense doesn't know what to expect. And Jay Gruden can be more flexible with his play calling. You know, I, I haven't been impressed with him, his consistency. But I feel like Geis would have made it easier. But he, he'd make it easier for most coaches in the league. So it's, it's, it's not really so much as an excuse as it is, you know, this is a talented player that got injured and really wanted to see him play. So it, it's tough, but, you know. Whatever. I guess we'll see what happens. A lot to play out with this offense and this team. Uh, they're one and one right now, so don't don't pull the panic button right just yet. You know, there's there's a lot of football left to play, a lot of opportunities to make adjustments. So we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, guys, we are out of time. We want to thank you for listening. As always, you can keep reading our stuff. We've got a a schedule going through uh, the season, so we, we'll have content for you every day. And make sure to check it out and stuff like that uh you know we're always putting new stuff out there so thanks for listening guys as always take care peace out uh hopefully the team does better next week see you around